All right, friends, start finding a, finding a seat. I know, right? All right, family, got a few announcements for you. If I haven't introduced myself, my name is Brad Knoll. I'm the worship and outreach pastor here at SBC and I want to be the first to greet you if I haven't had a chance to meet you. And for all you long timers, welcome to. Um, but as we uh, kind of kick off today, we're going to be in the book of Mark. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. Our ushers will uh, put a Bible in your hand. They'll be coming down. Just keep your hand up there. As you see him, just snag them. A um, couple announcements for you. Church picnic is coming up. Uh, yeah. Ah, super exciting. Um, you know what's really fun? is this week in our staff meeting, we decided to bring back family games. So bring your sock hop, your three-legged race, egg toss, etc., etc. It's going to be a super fun. But um, Sunday, August 7th, down at the Donner Lake Pavilion, it's the private side of, of West End, uh, we ask you please bring a side dish or a dessert to share. Uh, we'll be providing uh, drinks, uh, barbecue, um, condiments, things like that. But uh, please bring something and uh, come have some fellowship. Uh, one thing to add with that, if you haven't been baptized, this is a time that you can get baptized. So uh, we would invite you to please uh, come talk to uh, Amy, our admin secretary. She'll kind of uh, point you in the right direction. We would like to just touch base with you uh, to discuss what believer's baptism is. Um, it is a command from the Lord. Um, it is not unto salvation. We'll just tell you that. Um, with that, please come along. It'll be a, a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have worship down there. We'll hear some testimony. We'll dunk a few people, hold them down a couple, few more seconds, some more than others. No, just kidding. Um, and then we'll uh, eat some barbecue, have some fellowship, and enjoy the day. Uh, secondly, Equip America. I think you guys got a flyer here. Um, f the following week after that on, excuse me, October, August 13th, we have an evangelism uh, teaching class for you. So if you've been wondering how to share your faith, what does it mean um, to share the gospel with somebody? What does it mean to be a missionary in today's culture? This is for you. Um, come, we're going to feed you breakfast. We're going to feed you lunch. There'll be uh, equipping hours throughout the day from uh, 9 to 3 o'clock. So there'll be a few sessions. Leading up to that, the next three Thursdays, uh, we are going to have uh, some prayer and worship on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. next door upstairs. We're going to be praying specifically for this event, praying for people to come to salvation, praying for you as individuals that you'd have boldness to proclaim God's truth in a dying world. Uh, this is a, a great way um, for you to come, check things out, so we invite you to uh, come to this, please. Uh, with that said, will you stand with me? Let's read uh, God's word this morning. Uh, we stand for the honoring of God's word because we believe it is authoritative and what we stand upon. And you're going to turn to Mark chapter 6. And we're going to dive into Jesus walking on the water today. Uh, pretty interesting story. But uh, Mark chapter 6, it's in the New Testament, kind of toward the far side of the book on the right. Chapter 6, verse 45. Let's read together. Immediately... He made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. 
He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. For um, they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, want to open your holy scriptures. We want to hear from you. We want to know from you. Lord, you tell us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. Just pray for every individual that is in this room, online, Lord, that you would uh, show them your grace today. Show them your beauty, your greatness, how you have overcome. And Lord, that you are for us, not against us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me have a seat. Before we dive into the scripture, I want you to picture the best concert that you've ever been to. Or maybe um, a wedding that you went to and the, the flowers were beautiful and um, everybody was dressed in their dress to the nines and the food was great and the ambience was amazing. Or maybe it was a, a restaurant maybe that you went to. Um, my wife took me to uh, Roos Chris. Um, everybody been to Roos Chris before? It's expensive by all means. I was like, holy moly, that's for a steak. But I ordered this tomahawk steak this thing was like bigger than my, my youngest child. <laughs> All these have one thing in common. The ambience, the, the smell, how you make it caught up into the moment. And this is where we're going to pick up our story today. Much like the disciples of the day. Last week, if you remember, the feeding of the 5,000 ultimately was like the feeding of the 15,000. It was like this huge rally, this, this concert that you've been to. What happens at the end of a concert, typically? The band walks off casually like they're done, right? Oh, see, guys, bye. And what does the crowd chant? Encore, encore, encore. And they come back like they're so cool. <laughs> this is what was happening with the feeding of the 5,000. They were so filled that they saw the miraculous. They saw what Jesus was doing. And in fact, John tells us, that they come to, to take him captive, to make him king. So when we pick up our story, we're going to look here. I want you to look at two words before we dive in. The first word is the first word in our passage, immediately. So this gives us insight that this happened right after this big, huge rally. This happened right after this moment in time. Historically, this happened. The second word I want you to look at is immediately he made. Okay, so I had the question this passage. So I was like, why is he making them get into the boat? Why is he sending them away? Isn't this his crew? Doesn't he need the roadies to kind of clean up? In fact, he sent them off for a very reason. And Jesus did not want them to be caught up in the euphoria. He didn't want them to be caught up in the hype, the fake news, the, the roar of the crowd. For Jesus' time wasn't yet. We see all throughout the Gospels that the, the apostles and the disciples will come and say, Jesus, is now the time? Is now the time you're bringing back the kingdom? Is now the time you're going to take the reins? But in fact, Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. Jesus sends them and says, get into the boat and leave. This leads us to our first point today, that the Lord's timing is perfect. 
let alone do not get caught up in the side eddies. We can get lost on the fact that as we glance at this text really quickly, but John chapter 6 verse 15 says, Tell us they were ready to come by force, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. But Jesus withdrew. Aside, Eddie, if we go down to the river, what you'll see is that the current kind of goes through and it changes from day to day. But on the side, you'll see what? Whirlpools, right? You'll see kind of currents kind of going in. And kayakers especially, they hate eddies. Because what happens to a kayaker when you get in an eddy? Just kind of do spins, right? This is us. This is the disciples. Jesus is calling them and telling them, do not get caught up in what is going on in this right now. But I need you to be on mission. I need you to go. Go somewhere where I'm telling you. Jesus sent them to protect them, not only from the crowd, but also to protect them from themselves. If we're true with ourselves, we tend to be followers. We tend to get peer pressure put on us and we're like, go with the crowd. We might even be a bystander. Just be like, well, I just want to check out what's going on. Get caught up in the news, get caught up in X, Y, Z, whatever that might be. Sometimes our worst enemies are our thoughts, our desires, our flesh. But also, if we're truthful again, like I said, we tend to get distracted easily. Just as the disciples were, they tend to get distracted. I think of the disciples many times like a bunch of teenage boys. Has there been around teenage boys? It's like one, what's the adage? If you have one teenage, they have a brain, two, half a brain, three, except whatever. So you get a bunch of teenagers together, they tend to just kind of be impulsive. That's how the disciples were. And Jesus knew this. And he basically put them on a spiritual timeout. He said, get in the boat, calm down, go here. Jesus sent them away again to protect them, not only from the influence of the crowd, but from themselves. He knew their tendencies, and just as he knows them, he knows us and our frailty, our inclinations toward drifting and being distracted. In fact, he might send you in a different direction today too. Are you willing to listen and see where he's going to send us? He's called you and me to be examples. The Word of God, if we read the Word of God, he, he describes you as believers like this, that you are to be set apart to be in the world, not of the world, that you are aliens, that you are sojourners. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us this, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Strong words. Renewing your mind daily, taking your thoughts captive unto the obedience of Christ. This is a challenge, because as soon as we wake up, we tend to get off in the distance, to get distracted, to do this, to do that. Focus your eyes on Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. God created you for a purpose, not to be an innocent bystander or to be caught up in the world, but to be different from the world. That verse right there, I just want to share just a praise with you guys. That verse was our, our verse for uh, VBS this week, or last week, excuse me. There were 120 kids that were here. That is amazing. Amazing. You know what's even more amazing? Thursday, I get to have like kind of almost like grandpa time. I get to come and sit down in front of them, and I get to share the gospel. 
simplicity um, that we admit that our need, we believe on the Lord Jesus, and we confess with our mouth. Forty of those little guys raised their hands on Thursday. That's exciting. You know what's even more exciting? I don't, I don't know how God has stirred their hearts. But one of our leaders called me and, and said, there were two individuals from an unsaved family that came that day. And they went home with her, and they shared with their parents that they became Christians. And one of them is going to be baptized on, on the 8th. Special, super special. Oh, we, we rejoice. We rejoice. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, the disciples, they get a bad rap. They do stupid things. They put their foot in their mouth often. But I want to give them credit in this moment. They got in the boat. They might have had a bad attitude about it. They might have been snickering under their lips like, I don't want to go. That bread's really tasty. I love carbs. You know, I don't know. But we find that they got in the boat. Um, we find that Jesus separates himself in, in our next passage here in verse 46. And let's read verse 46 together. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountains to pray. This leads us to our second point of the day. Sometimes when we're dissect, dissecting scripture, uh, we need to dissect scripture with scripture. And this is a foreshadow for you guys, a foreshadow of Jesus as he leaves the pray. I don't know what he prayed that day, but I know what Scripture tells me he does do. And that's out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. You're welcome to turn there if you'd like. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. It says, Seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable, or who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Three chapters to the right in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since, we all, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is your high priest. He is in the heavenlies right now interceding for you. The Bible also describes that if you are a follower of Christ, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He is our helper. The Bible describes it as that he has groanings that aren't even interpretable. Like we don't even know what he's, he's saying. But he is inter interceding for you also too. I saw a little video, a TikTok or something like that this week of this pastor that I follow. And he was just encouraging the people that followed him to basically say, you don't need to know what you're praying necessarily. God just wants to commune with He wants you to come, to talk with him. If it's just like, ah, that's okay. Sometimes prayers can be just that. God is interceding for you. He knows what we need even before we ask. And that's number two. Jesus is our high priest. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Just to bolster this a little bit more. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. If you guys have heard me teach before, I love just to read big bulks of Scripture. I believe that a faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And as you read this, your faith will grow. Again, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. Romans chapter 8 is one of my favorite, uh, probably chapters in all the Bible, mainly just because of, of verse 1. I love verse 1. It's one of my life verses. 
For there is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a great promise. But this morning, we're going to turn to verse 31, and let's read that together. It says, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did, us, um, excuse me, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring charges against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, but rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. There's that word again, intercedes. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or trouble, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Oh, underline that. Underline that, that last verse, verse 35. Who? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will it be tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? Nothing. If God has you, he has you forever. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that anybody else can do. He holds you. If he is all-powerful and he is all-knowing and he is perfect and he is strong, man, he holds you tight and will never let you go. What a great promise. But this is what the, the disciples need to be re reminded of. Sometimes we think that these, these actions are just like, oh, God is just kind of flipping a coin. Oh, sounds good. They need to get on a boat today. No, he had a purpose, a purpose for them getting on that boat. They needed to be reminded that he intercedes for them, that he has called them just as he called you, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. He cares for you. He is there for you. He loves you. He is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. But this leads to number three. As we read verses 47 through 49 back in our main text, God knows what he's doing. Do you? I don't sometimes. Actually, I don't all the time, really. We should be relying on the, the Spirit, relying on God to give us guidance. To put it simply, are you willing to trust and obey? The Bible describes in the Old Testament, um, I want to say it's in 1 Samuel, but that uh, King Saul, I think, ended up like taking the sheep from some other king and all the gold and stuff. And God said to basically destroy everything. And the prophet Samuel tells Saul, God desires obedience rather than sacrifice. And today, we're not talking about obedience unto salvation. We're talking about obedience because we love Jesus. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's what Jesus tells us. It's not unto salvation. I'm not doing good works to arrive at heaven. I can't climb that ladder. Jesus gives us the ladder freely. He just says, by grace, you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Praise God for that. Because we can make a ladder as high as, as the Tower of Babel, and we will never ascend to heaven. But God made a way. We sang about that today. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Ah, oh, I was about to tear up at that song. That song is amazing. Some great fundamental doctrine in that song. Great. Our third point. Again, God knows what he's doing. Do you? 
just to kind of hit upon two million dollar words. Everybody can say it with me. Omniscience. Omnipotence. Now, now you guys are theologians now. Omniscience means all-knowing. Omnipotence means all-powerful. So as we look at this story, we're finding that we're going to build this crescendo a little bit. That Jesus being God are those things. He is all-knowing. He knew at that moment that he was going to send his 12 disciples in this boat. They might have thought that he was looning out to lunch. But before the foundations of the world, God knew that they would be in that boat. God knew in the years to come that they would be the pillars of the gospel to spread the gospel to millions of people. Because of God's foreknowledge and his all-knowingness, if that's a word, all-knowingness, you know what I'm, I'm saying, is that you are here today because of those gentlemen who were obedient. But think about it. What if they turned to Jesus that day and said, eh, I don't want to get in the boat. I'm going to stay here. God's, God's plan wouldn't have been thwarted, but they would have missed out on the blessing. They would have missed out on all the opportunity that he had in the coming years of the greatness that God wanted to use to be through them. They would have missed out. The question today, are you standing on the shore? Are you willing to get in the boat? God knows everything, every outcome, the very hairs on your head, the days you will live. They are numbered. We think that we can, with our lives, you know, put some sunscreen on and, you know, eat healthier and we're going to prolong our life. Like, God already knows. Like, it's a good thing. This is our temple. We take care of those things. But God knows. He knows the thoughts we have before we have them. He holds the very fabric of the universe in perfect harmony. Did any of you guys see that uh, picture? I don't know if it was from the Hubble telescope or something, but, but of NASA this past week where they saw like a distant galaxies and stuff like that. It was amazing. If you haven't, Google it when you go home. New pictures of space. Wow. And guess what? God holds that in his hand. God, in being all-powerful, has it knitted. He holds the circumference of the earth that we don't move. He is all-powerful. Not taking anything by surprise. But more importantly, he's in control of it all. And that he can do anything within the bounds of his nature. Wait, whoa, 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 what? That means God's, God's limited? Yes, God is limited in, in some capacity. God cannot sin. That's just one limitation. We'll just say that. Because God is holy, that he is just, that he is perfect, he cannot sin. That doesn't mean that he's not all-powerful, though. You know, you, you get some of those uh, questions sometimes, like, can God make a rock that he can't lift? That's a stupid question. Like, <laughs> it, it really is. But, but again, like, the gospel is foolish to those who are perishing. The word of God is foolish to a world that is not regenerated. But for you and I that have been followers of Christ and have, have chosen to, to follow him through thick and thin, God has made your spirit alive so that even under the sound of my words today, God is speaking to you through his word. He has written this for you and for me. You know, a little child analogy, basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what Bible stands for. You know, I use that with my kids. Read it. Know it. 
Find out that God wants to speak to you today and give you all you need in this life and the life to come. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. As I said, you know, these, uh, these disciples act kind of like little boys sometimes. Can you put yourself in the boat and just hear the murmuring? Peter, are you even rowing? Ah, John, put the bread down. We've been out here for six hours. I want to I, I go to sleep. I could hear it. Or, or maybe some of them be like, man, I'm getting kind of scared. Like, those waves are huge. That wind is blowing. They might even ask, did you, why did Jesus even send us out here? Maybe he made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. Jesus knew exactly why he sent them on the water. One commentator states it this way, that this miracle of walking on water was for this very reason, to reaffirm the validity of Jesus, showing that even creation bows at his very word and would act as an encouragement to the twelve. It would move them from wandering to worshiping, from confusion to confession, and from fear to faith. God knew exactly that is what they needed at that particular time. God is faithful. He works through it all to bring his purpose and to bring him glory. Furthermore, he's not willing to leave us in the regrets of yesterday or the woes of today, but to use them both to sanctify us for tomorrow. And this brings me great comfort. The question is, are you willing to yield? Are you willing to trust and obey? So this brings us to the crescendo of our story, the creme de la creme. We see Jesus walking on water. Most pastors or, or sermons you might hear might, might talk about, you know, this aspect that Peter ends up almost drowning. Jesus takes us, he saves us, etc. I want to put a little bit of a different spin on this, but turn to Matthew chapter 14. If you are note takers, you really need all, you need Matthew, Mark, and John to get a complete idea of this whole story. Because Mark, again, like is that comic book, right? Just flash, flash in the pan. This is what happened. We're moving on. Matthew, on the other hand, expounds on this a little bit more. Matthew chapter 14, 25 through 33. We're going to start in 25 because we already have what happened with the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus sends them away. So we pick up the story in 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Okay, so fourth watch. It's like three o'clock in the morning. They started at like nine. They've been rowing for like six hours all night long. He came to them walking on the sea. Okay, hold on one, one sec before we... Some people will tell you that Jesus really didn't walk on water, that he, he was like in only, only in like two inches of water, and that'd be like... Or you get like you know, the magician that has the plate, plexiglass out there and look, you know. no. If this was true, then Peter was drowning in two inches of water. That's not the case. This is in the middle of the sea, okay? They wouldn't be fearful. They wouldn't be paddling if it was in a little bit of water. Okay, continuing on. Walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, again, words matter, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 
He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And this is where I want to kind of pause for a moment. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Okay, Jesus walking on the water. What's the importance of this? The Word of God is like origami. Have any of you ever done origami? It's like all these intricate folds. My hands are too big, so I have a hard time, you know. But if we look at origami, like if you don't fold it right, your bird looks like a cockatoo. You know, so we want to make sure that it's completely folded. The Word of God is like that. They're intricately folded into one another. And that's the beauty of this, that like when we look at Jesus walking on the water, it's not a one-off. We have to interpret it through the Old Testament. We need to understand that maybe God was on the water at some other times. One account, Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit was over the course of the water when, when everything was void. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and the Spirit of the water hovered over the deep. I want to look at another passage. I almost overlooked it this week. I was like, whoa! Job chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Listen to these words, church. Who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble? Who commands the sun and it does not rise? Who seals up the stars? Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled on the waves of the sea? God's word interprets God's word. That is amazing. Who but God steps on the water? How does this tie into our story? As we read here in in Matthew and in Mark, it says, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. In passing, that I, of course it's Jesus. Well, they didn't notice it was Jesus at first, but once he talked to them, they're like, oh, he's not just saying, hi, it's me. This I is, is, is very important. In the Greek, it's ego emi. It's the same I that is referred to in, in John with the I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the, the truth. I am the way. I am the good shepherd. And in that list, it is describing Jesus as deity, as God. Ego emi. I am. Exodus. We hear the same, same verbiage, same kind of language, though in Hebrew and Aramaic. Moses on top of the mountain, God, who shall I say sent me? I am that I am. There's one God, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and his name is Jesus. There's one I am, and his name is Jesus. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a trichotomy that is hard to understand sometimes, or really all the time. But in our finite mind, we know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in this moment, Jesus is proclaiming that He is the way, He is the truth, that I am omniscient, I am all-powerful, and I am in control. What a great comfort. 
Reading verse 33 again in Matthew, those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. They've seen the miracle. They've seen this um, feeding of 5,000. They've seen the, the lame being healed, the blind having sight. They still doubt it. Do you still doubt? I do. Been walking with the Lord now, what is it, 2022? 22 years. And there's still days that I doubt. But you know what I do with that doubt? At least I try to. Come back to God's word. Come back to his promise. Come back to what he's saying here. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And this leads us to our final point. Surrender leads to worship. Telling these guys that they got in the boat. They surrendered and yielded to what the Lord had for them. Are we willing to surrender and yield to what he has for us? Something unique happened to them that night. Remembering again, if they stayed on the shore, they would have missed out. Are you standing on the shore? Are you choosing to walk out in faith, taking that step? Are you willing to trust and obey? There's a song written by a gentleman named Don Moe, and it kind of came to mind this week, and it's from the song Trust and Obey. And it says, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. This is us, guys. This is us in the boat. For real, we doubt. We get distracted. We get caught up in the euphoria of what's going on. We end up going down maybe a road that we didn't intend. God's calling you back. All right, son and daughter. Kind of let you walk a little bit. It's time to get back on the narrow path. It's time to come back. It's time to hear of my greatness and what I have purposed for you. Jesus is calling you. You have purpose. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. He is directing the boat. He commands the sea. He commands the waves. He quiets the wind. He cares for you. He intercedes for you. He loves you. Make that decision today to trust and obey. Worship team, will you guys come up and I'm not quite done yet. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God is calling you to something different. Maybe today you're, you're seeking. Maybe today you're leery of anything that I said. Trust him. Have you backslidden? It means falling back into sin. Repent. Turn from that sin. Do you feel like you're bound? Or the chains are carrying you? You can be set free. He can break the chains. He will forgive you. Or maybe, just maybe, 
There's many of you in this room that are walking faithfully with him. Remain in the vine. Keep pressing in. Keep surrendering. Trust in him more. Do you want to get in the boat? Do you want to recommit? You can do that now. We are all on the journey. The question is, have you started the journey? Or are you still on the shore? I want to read a few verses to you. Again, the word of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an amazing promise. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10, uh, 10 verse 9 That if you confess with your mouth and believe on the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Kind of want to give you an old school invitation this morning. You guys close your eyes and if this is you this morning, if this is you that you want to make a commitment to follow Christ today, I want you to say this prayer. If you have turned from the Lord and, and have been doing your own thing. It's time to repent and then now is the time to say. We got some Disneyland going on back there. All good. Can we pause that please? Will you say this prayer? Jesus, I admit my need for you. I am choosing today to turn from my sin. I accept your free gift of grace and forgiveness for my sin. I believe you are who you say you are and I confess you now as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Matthew chapter 10 tells us this. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before people, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before people I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. If you have made a recommitment to the Lord, or maybe you have made a day of salvation today, would you stand? Is there anyone? Praise the Lord. Let's rejoice with him. Brother, we see you. That is good news. Is there anyone else? There was a, there was a salvation in, in the first service too. Great. Great story. You'll have to check, check that out later. Well, with that said, family of God, we stand together as family, rejoicing with my brother. We, oh, we have another sister here. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Praise God. Let's all stand together. For my, maybe my sister that's here, my brother, anyone else? No, this is the first day of salvation. This is the first day of coming back. This is the first day of forgiveness. If 
you have questions, I would love to touch base with any of you. Come and grab me. Grab one of your leaders. Find out more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. In a couple weeks, we have baptisms. We can dunk you in Donner Lake. Amazing. An outward showing of an inward doing. We love you guys. Thank you, family, for being here. Thank you, friends, for everyone that has come to the Lord today. Amazing. And give them a round of applause again. Let's sing.